It was not pretty, but trust me, it was not the debacle you probably feel it was, or even maybe I felt in the immediate post game. We're talking Michigan's 31 to six win over Bowling Green and a couple other related things on this episode of Locked On Wolverines. You are Locked On Wolverines, your daily podcast on the Michigan Wolverines, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Happy Monday. We're back and doing it. Lockdown Wolverines podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. I am your man on the ground, Isaiah Hole, publisher of Wolverines Wire through USA Today Sports Media Group. So Michigan wins 31 to 6 against arguably the easiest team on its schedule. Um, I was going to write an article about reasons why you should not be freaking out over what happened on Saturday. Uh, I opted to, well, it's not that I opted not to. I was being pulled in a thousand different directions on Sunday after getting minimal sleep. And so uh, that didn't happen, but we, uh, and now it's, I feel kind of too late to capitalize on it. So we're, we're going to kind of cover that today as we talk about uh, what happened on Saturday uh, against Bowling Green. Uh, it felt bad, right? Of course. I mean, JJ McCarthy had, I think, what was his worst performance in a Michigan uniform. That still stands true from Saturday night. Um, maybe you weigh the TCU game a little bit differently because it was a bigger game as the college football playoff, all of that. But he, he still gave Michigan a chance to win that, that game. You're right. He, he, he was still elect. He was electric minus two big mistakes, right? This one, he, he wasn't electric. Really? He was errant, had three interceptions. The Cornelius touched, uh, Johnson touchdown probably could have been an interception or maybe it should have been, uh, just kind of worked out very well, uh, for, for Michigan. Uh, Jim Harbaugh noted a, another one that ended up being a completion, a kind of a fadeaway throw. He said it didn't need to be a fadeaway, which also should have been intercepted. So it really was just not a good day at all for J.J. McCarthy. Let's, let's take a look at the stats to to kind of back this up, right? I mean, he still threw for, what, 65% uh, or 67% in the game, but 143 yards, two touchdowns. He got sacked once uh, and uh, had the three interceptions. Uh, honestly, though, I think Bowling Green really kind of came to play, too. Uh, I, I, I think that it was a confluence of events that happened, right? It wasn't just that J.J. McCarthy had a bad day. It was Bowling Green had a plan, and it was evident what was happening during the game, right? Was, you saw Bowling Green say, we are going to play, once we have the ball, we're going to try to play keep away from Michigan. We are going to go deep into our snap counts. We're going to try to keep them away. When we, if we score, which they did twice, uh, when we kick it off, we're going to kick it to someone who is not usually handling the football and hope that they make a mistake. It happened a hundred percent once because they turned the ball over with uh with the ball going to Max Bredesen and him fumbling after having a return and it almost happened again with Braden McGregor. So I, I thought it was a really good game plan uh from Bowling Green, but I mean Bowling Green is still just very overmatched when it comes to playing against a team like Michigan. So hence a game that feels like it's a bad game for Michigan still ends up being a twenty five point win. So that's that's pretty good. Now, I think that what happened offensively overlooks a little bit of what happened defensively because, yes, Bowling Green did drive the field once and then had a short field uh, for the second field goal. So that feels bad, right? But, I mean, when you look at what they had overall, I mean, you're looking at 124 yards passing. Yeah, there was a 33-yard pass and, you know, open up the game. I think that was a, a, a crazy thing that happened, right? Uh, and 117 yards rushing. I mean, they're averaging 2.2 yards per carry. And I mean, 124 
yards total on uh, 14 completions isn't a heck of a lot either. Like, so Michigan did its job defensively, and certainly they got the turnovers in the second half to help propel them back. Great, great start by Chris Jenkins and then Quinton Johnston, my guy, finally out there with meaningful minutes and makes the most of it. Uh, was super excited. I ran into him randomly, kind of walking back to my car after the game. And it, it was, if I could have run into anyone walking back to my car after the game, he's the one I would have wanted to run into. So I was really, really proud of him and that he was able to kind of come up and, and uh, do his thing. But that's just kind of the, the fail, the fate of the game, right? Michigan, in a lot of ways, I mean, they ultimately outplayed Bowling Green offensively. Uh, you look at the rushing, obviously, I mean, Blake Corm averaged 8.4 yards a carry. He had 12 carries for 101 yards. I mean, you'll take that every single day of the week. Donovan Edwards, uh, having talked to him after the game, he felt a heck of a lot better about his performance. Nine carries for 50 yards. Uh, that's a 5.6 average. Uh, but ultimately with, uh, so the duo combined for 151 yards for, uh, then there was 169 total yards on the day. So mostly good. Offensive line still had some struggle session here and there. Uh, good job receiving. Uh, Roman Wilson wasn't as heavily featured, but still got a touchdown. Cornelius Johnson. I asked Jim Harbaugh about Cornelius Johnson today, and I was like, you know, we haven't seen him be the. I mean, anyone that's watched or listened to this show and knows that knows what I'm about to say. He has not been consistent, and suddenly he's out there making these big plays. He's, he's he is now being consistent. He's snatching balls out of the air. He, he's the tip drill. All of a sudden, he, he's he's deflecting a ball away from a defender, keeping it from being an interception, and you know secures it going into the end zone. I mean, a really incredible performance from him. So uh, th- there are those positives. But the, the biggest takeaway for me, now that we're out of the non-conference, right, because the non-conference, they didn't necessarily all have the same trajectory, and how they got there, but they all got there. They, they all had the same thing happen. Michigan buried the team by the midway in the third quarter, and then the backups were in, and you didn't see anything else happen. So that, number one, that is concerning, right? The backup, the the second team or third team offense, whatever you want to call whatever collection of guys they're putting out there, uh, are not doing very well. They're not scoring. They have yet to score. Hey, uh, but the first team defense for Michigan has also yet to give up a touchdown. Michigan's given up one touchdown so far all season long. And the first team offense has only given up two field goals, period. That's it. Two field goals. One of them off of a turnover. So all things considered, pretty good. Um, but to me, the biggest, biggest takeaway is Jim Harbaugh was not on the sidelines for any of the, any of these games. Now, uh, I will retract what I said that any of us could have coached Michigan to a win in any of these three games because it's clearly, uh, even with all the talent, I do feel like the coaching staff was stretched a little bit thin, right? Like you didn't have, I feel like in this game with, you know, Sharon Moore would have had a little bit more ability to have one-on-one time with JJ as things were going poor, right? Like I feel like, you know, there, there just hasn't been that management that, that has worked out the best for this team uh, for the sake of the coaches have had to kind of take on more than what they're normally accustomed to. Maybe that's an indictment on the coaching staff in terms of being the head coach, but probably not. Uh, Probably not because what it is, is it basically says, Hey, when, when someone's trying to be an offensive coordinator and a head coach, 
it's not going to go quite as well as when they can just be an offensive coordinator. Maybe if Sharon Moore was just the head coach and Kirk Campbell was the offensive coordinator and someone else stepped into the quarterback's coach role, then may, maybe it's a little bit different, right? But when, when you're trying to do a little too much, yeah, they, they were able to prom- promote an analyst um, but uh, for the game. But at the same time, I, I don't think that's quite the same, right? Right, because Sharon Moore was still the offensive coordinator. It wasn't like they promoted an analyst and that analyst was like, all right, time to do it. So I think the absence of Jim Harbaugh played a big part, and I think it plays a big part in motivation as well. Like Michigan, to some degree, I feel is somewhat disinterested, and that's something that we've seen from Alabama, something we've seen from Georgia over the course of years. I mean, it isn't something we necessarily see from Ohio State because Ohio State is just a machine that goes out there and is like, we're going to score 60 points, and that's just how we have fun. <laughs> so, uh, but but it's a lot of the teams that have won national championships uh, in recent memory, uh, it seems like they have moments of being disinterested, right? Like uh, talking to my best friend uh, about it, it's like Alabama finds itself tied it's with Citadel, you know, in week 12. That's just the type of thing that happens, you know, at com- you know coming off of a championship year going into another one. It's so, I think Michigan's kind of there, and I think uh, we'll know a lot more come Saturday uh, against Rutgers. So let's continue on talking about the game. Then we're going to move into some of the Big Ten, uh, my thoughts about the general Big Ten and all of that. Uh, but we are going to up next kind of go over some of the PFF scores and uh, who who was PFF really high on and uh, all of that. So we will do that here in just one moment. But this show is ep- this episode is sponsored by sorry, got really distracted by Zuri. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, of course, anyone Everyone out there needs a little help from time to time, right? Uh, I've seen so many friends, I mean, myself, I've seen so many friends go through just tough times, uh, whether it's, uh, it's trouble in relationships, it's trouble with, uh, with a job. Uh, I mean, I, I've seen a relationship coach before uh, because sometimes things just get a little too much to handle and you need to talk to somebody about it. So I, I certainly benefited greatly from that experience of talking with a relationship coach uh, and it certainly helped me see outside of myself and uh, see just, how, you know, what what can I do to be a better, you know, to be better, to get out of the doldrums, to, to, to be able to see things clearly. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no charge. Get a break from your thoughts with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnCollege to get 10% off of your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash LockedOnCollege. All right, let's take a look at the PFF scores. Um, By the way, I did not intend on this being a night episode, but the, the circadian rhythm of mine, which is already tenuous at best really took a hit with the night game <laughs> so people are like oh aren't you excited about night game? No, i was excited about this one because you know, the lights were just electric i thought that was i mean literally electric but i mean figuratively as well but it, it was really i thought that michigan was moving into the 21st century finally and i thought that that was so cool uh i still think it was really funny i sent a video to sarah and i was like and she was like oh that's really cool for people who like football <laughs> like you, I'm like you know the lights didn't do this last time. And she's like, oh no, I I would never have known. Like, yep, okay. Because uh, the only game she's been to was a night game, Hawaii. But 
you know, that's, it, it just was a different experience. Kind of reminded me of being at Under the Lights in 2013, right? Uh, I wish it could have been a bigger opponent for that sake because I remember coming out of that 2013 Under the Lights game, like the next day I was wearing my brace, my glow bracelet that they handed out. Uh, I, I wore it and have kept it on for like two days and until it turned off and I was sad. It's in a shoebox somewhere. But uh, I remember like going to work the next day and just feeling like, and I remember going to after work and went going to get something to eat at Bar Louie and just sitting there at the bar and feeling so cool, right? Like I was at the biggest football. I felt like I was at the Super Bowl, right? Like I felt like I was at the Super Bowl. Um, so I, I kind of feel like it, it kind of was able to kind of give that experience without it being a big opponent. Anyway, all right, let's look at the let's look at the the offensive guys who really stood out. Um, so one of the things that uh, Jim Harbaugh talked about today is that some of the the blocking could have been better. He mentioned uh, Donovan Edwards, uh, the blocking. He he got a really bad pass block t- uh, score, twenty point four. Blake Corum also got a really bad pass block score of thirty one point zero. So not great for the uh, the running backs. Um, Carson Barnhart also didn't get a good pass blocking score. 41.1, A.J. Barner got a 31.6. So those are the lows, but then when you look at Drake Nugent, Zach Zinter, Ladarius Henderson, who ended up coming in for uh, for Miles Hinton, uh, they all did really good in pass blocking. Max Bredesen got a 63.9. All the aforementioned ones I just mentioned got in the 80s, in the mid-80s. Miles Hinton got a 70.4. Uh, 70. Um, so that's that's the the, the pass blocking. Um, run blocking, Jim Harbaugh lauded uh, Roman Wilson, who got a 70.5. Uh, Max Bredesen was the best run blocker. So really good stuff there. But uh, let's look at the overall score. So your top 10 players of, uh, of those who are starter caliber or played at least, uh, we'll say at least 10 snaps. Well, well, we'll go to the 13th because, uh, let's, yeah, let's go 13. Like the top 13. So JJ graded out as the worst player on the team, by the way. Dead last, 33, 40, uh, 42.3 score, uh, offensively 34.7 uh, out of 100 in passing. Uh, so not great, Bob, uh, but uh, he's been the top player each of the last two weeks. So you got to feel like he's going to bounce back, right? Like water finds its level. Uh, but Blake Corum, number one overall, 83, uh, sorry, 87.3. Uh, Max Bredesen, 83.7. Cornelius Johnson, 82.7. Colston Loveland, 77.1. Number five is Miles Hinton, actually. Uh, even though he got, uh, either he was hurt or got replaced, we don't know. Jim Harbaugh didn't know when uh, we talked to him, he said, because he hadn't, he, he didn't get that update. Uh, 76, uh, score. Roman Wilson had a 74. Drake Nugent had a 73.2. Zach Center, 72.4. Ladarius Anderson, 72.1. A.J. Barner, 69.8. Samaj Morgan, uh, we can skip over him. He only had three snaps. Trevor Keegan had uh, 66.4. And Carson Barnhart, uh, 64.8. So not, not, not great, not bad. Not great, not bad. Uh, but, I mean, I still, when you look at that, like Blake Horn being back in form, that's what you want to see, right? Like if Michigan really wanted to, it, they could have just, they could have just handed to Blake Horm 40 times and would have been good. But they were trying to do some other things, and it just didn't work. And you you would rather get these things out of the way right now than have that uh, be a thing later in the year, right? So there's that. My man, Quinton Johnson, the number one guy when it comes to defense. 91 score. Amazing. 90.8 coverage score. 
Behind him, number two, Jalen Harrell at 90.5. Chris Jenkins, 84.6. Uh, Derek Moore, 81.3. Cam Good, 80. Josiah Stewart, who had 20 snaps. and a little more than, than Cam Good. I saw him out there a little bit. 78.4. Mason Graham at 77.6. Um, and uh, so on and so forth. I'm not going to just read everybody. My guy, Kenneth Grant, unfortunately, all the way down at number 14. Mike Sainer still at number 17. Um, Makari Page, who uh, ended up playing 39 snaps in the game, uh, 62.3. Um, yeah, so uh, Ernest Hausman didn't have the greatest game, according to PFF. I haven't rewatched the game as of yet. My intention was to do that today. Probably not even going to get to that today or tomorrow, maybe Wednesday. <laughs> That's where we're at. But uh, I, I kind of felt like I was seeing some things. I thought Cam Gooden, one, and particularly, had a really good stunt that really impressed me. Uh, kind of felt like the game was slowing down, even looking through the lens, right? Like just no, whenever I notice like a stunt or twist or something like that when I'm watching, uh, look through my through my camera and not even watching the highlight, I'm like, what am, what is happening? Because I mean, again, remember everything is compressed. You're looking. I'm looking very pretty strictly at the quarterback, uh, no matter who it is, and. Uh, yeah, I know. It's so usually when you get my thoughts, it's based off of a rewatch because now I can kind of see the whole field instead of like one guy and a mash of bodies. Uh, but uh, I still do kind of have that ability to tell, like, kind of almost innately what's happening. It's kind of bizarre. So that was defense, and special teams was not the greatest thing in the world. Caden Colasar graded out at the top according to PFF. Quentin Johnson was uh, Michigan's uh, special teams player of the week. Uh, Jim Harbaugh said. Um, I, I don't think it will be a surprise that, uh, that some of the other guys that, uh, messed up aren't necessarily super high. Max Bredesen's 26th. Um, I think that probably makes a heck of a lot of sense. Uh, Braden McGregor is also 26, so they're tied for 26. So they're down there. This grades a 60. So that's your PFF grades. Um, just to kind of give you an insight of where, where they're at. We'll, we'll have them on probably not this, uh, this week, but we will start trying to get them on again, uh, as regular guests when it comes to, Big Ten play. So that's where Michigan is. And all this said, J.J. McCarthy, still through three weeks, is the number one quarterback in the Big Ten, despite having a team low. Like, he had the he had the lowest of what it would be on, I mean, he wasn't on special teams. He had a lower grade, I believe, than even Eno Etta, who was in for four snaps and did not. Uh, he had a 38.2. Uh, so he was a little higher than Eno Etta, but that's it. That that's literally it. A, a guy getting his first taste of college football is the only one that had a worse grade overall than JJ McCarthy. Considering that, if I was to take a look here real quick, week two, your number one player, JJ McCarthy. Week one, again, I'm, I'm Michigan's team. Number one player, JJ McCarthy. And his bad game didn't weigh him down so much in the cumulative. J.J. McCarthy is still PFF's number one quarterback in the Big Ten by grade. So take that for what it's worth, and uh, you move on from the bad game and figure things out. All right, well, let's continue on here in just a moment. We are going to talk a little bit about the Big Ten and as a whole. Big week coming up this week. Super excited for it. Super excited that Michigan plays at noon. So, uh, but that's an evergreen statement there. So, uh, anyhow, we will do that here in just a moment. Now is the time for your Game Changer of the Week brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company. Much like, I'm going to give it to Chris Jenkins. Because even though some might look at like Cornelius' play and say that was great, 
Chris Jenkins, I feel, was the one who finally put the game away from Michigan. He got that interception, nearly a pick six, gets Michigan on the goal line. Michigan's able to formally put the uh, put the game away thanks to that heroic effort. Chris Jenkins, defensive tackle, nearly pick six, says he's too fat to score a touchdown. He is not a fat. He has no fat on him. I don't know what he's talking about. Uh, anyway, Athletic Brewing Company has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. Their brews are great tasting and award-winning. They beat out full-strength beers in global competitions. And guess what? They've got other things that are are a little bit different. Like they have the 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 seltzers and such like that, or not the seltzers, but like the, the sparkling waters. I, I got their one of their their blood orange sparkling water, and it was absolutely phenomenal. And I I'm gonna have to order more here before too long. They're fit for all times too, uh, which means that you can drink them anytime, anywhere, make any activity more enjoyable, like watching a big game, your kids' game, uh, tackling work, working out. You can take. I mean, I wouldn't take a non alcoholic beer to church, but uh, <laughs> I would. I mean, I would probably uh, I would take with the sparkling water. I mean do that no hangovers ever that's the best part uh, honestly so you can find athletic brewing companies non-alcoholic brews at a store near you or you can buy it online at athleticbrewing.com first time customers can use the code locked on to get 15 percent off of your first online order that's code locked on at checkout for 15 percent off at athleticbrewing.com near beer exclusions and conditions apply athletic brewing company fit for all times All right, let us finish out talking about the Big Ten uh, because uh, Big Ten play starts in earnest here momentarily, but we kind of got to look at some different things. So obviously, I'm, I think and I, if I weirdly didn't just pull up the schedule from last week, I would have somehow completely glossed over the fact that Mel Tucker is all but fired now, right? Like last week it was he's suspended. Uh, now he's been told he has, they have the intent of firing him. They have a se- seven days for him to appeal or whatever. It's something in his contract. Uh, but they have fired him with cause. MSU people have melted down officially uh, over what happened against Washington, which gave great joy to uh, many a person uh, that is in the state of Michigan that does not like the, the like kind of emerald green color. <laughs> but... Um, it's uh, now that I, I do want to say, I do feel I, regardless of his wrongdoing, I feel bad. I prayed for him and I'm hoping that uh, he learns uh, some life lessons and turns to the Lord in this. Uh, but at the same time, it's um, as I actually listened to the Mike Valeni segment because uh, I was enjoying the schadenfreude of the MSU program at the moment. And uh, like he said, like the, Anyone who said that this he was a con man was right, right? Like I'm sorry. Well, he didn't say I'm sorry. He just said like you know I'm. He, they were right. He he wasn't all he was cracked up to be, as probably many of you felt. Even though he ended up going two and one against Michigan, um, which is an unfortunate thing. But like this is where he is with four years, right? Like can't even hang with the top ten team, not at all. And that's where I kind of was digressing from some of the, t- the thoughts that were happening this last week where I was seeing a, like or, uh, a lot of Spartan people being like, you know, you have to give Mel credit. He got the talent level to where it's at right now. I was like, what talent level? Like it, equal to what it was when Mark D'Antonio uh, left because that's where it is. I think I probably would have taken D'Antonio's roster over what is they have in East Lansing right now. So they, uh, they play Maryland and then go and play a night game at Iowa. So good luck. Uh, Ohio State bounced back. 
in a big way against Western Kentucky. They did a decent job of stymieing uh, what may be a decent pass game. Don't know really know for sure. Uh, but uh, we'll know what Ohio State's all about against Notre Dame because I think Notre Dame's better. Just do. Uh, I have Ohio State losing that game, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, Penn State looked kind of pedestrian against Illinois. I mean, they won if, but in large part because Luke Altmeyer threw to more uh, Nittany Lions than he did Illini. Uh, Drew Aller was just kind of okay. Uh, Illinois, considering how they've looked each of the first two weeks, the fact that they kind of made it a game for a while is kind of surprising. Um, I don't find Champaign to be a particularly raucous environment, having been there. Uh, Minnesota loses to North Carolina. Uh, Duke beats Northwestern. Iowa puts up a bunch of points, and yet for some reason you look at their uh, you look at their stats. I'm like, how? Like they didn't have a defensive touchdown. Cade McNamara didn't have a very good game. Okay, uh, but 41 to 10, cool. Um, Louisville beats Indiana, but they it sounds like uh, looks like the Indiana found itself a quarterback in Taven Jackson, the Tennessee transfer. So uh, that that's something to look out for come week six. Um, sorry, week seven. I think that's something to look out for. Uh, Wisconsin struggles early against Georgia Southern, pulls away, blah, blah, blah. Rutgers, who comes to town this week, beats Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech's no good, but not, at no point would you think if you said any time in the last 10 years, Rutgers versus Virginia Tech, who you got, and it's going to be Rutgers by 20, uh, 19 points, you would not expect it. Like, you'd be like, okay, what, what happened? Everyone on Virginia Tech fall asleep, didn't come in the game or something like that. I know, Virginia Tech, not very good lately, but that's still surprising. Uh, Nebraska beats Northern Illinois 35 to 11. They finally get their first win. Yay. Finally, big win. Uh, Heinrich Harburg is the name of their quarterback right now. He, he actually graded out kind of a middle uh, and he actually rushed a lot. So that again, I mean, 150 yards in through the air with two touchdowns, nothing to write home about 21 carries for 98 yards. That's actually, we'll see what it looks like in two weeks and Purdue loses to Syracuse. So those are my thoughts on the big 10. I, I like, uh, you know, you can check out my Big Ten power rankings. I did ding Michigan. I know probably a lot of people are mad at that. They always get mad when I ding Michigan. It wasn't that I put Penn State above Michigan. I did. But it was like Michigan played poor enough. I felt like they, they deserved to be dinged a bit. Now, would I have changed it, you know, based off of what I said earlier today? Absolutely. But I did this at 3 o'clock in the morning on Sunday. So, that's what it is. Anyway, that's it. What's the show? We'll be back on Tuesday. Hopefully not at 9 p.m. Uh, so we will talk to you then. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Peace. Peace.